Thank you, worship leaders, for great worship this morning that has brought us into an encounter with God. I'm going to invite the children to stay with us for a few moments. <clears throat> 51 years ago this week, America was embroiled in the civil rights movement. You remember? Hundreds of thousands of African Americans descended on Washington, D.C. They filled that huge, great mall area, and Dr. Martin Luther King stood before them, and he said, I have a dream that one day my four children will not be judged on the color of their skin, but what did he say? The content of their character. Do you suppose that as we were going into this summer, God was saying, I have a dream of what summer 2014 could be in America, in Walworth County. And that's why this picture you've seen so many times that you've had the opportunity now hundreds of times this summer to make choices, all of us. Have your choices been a part of God's dream for you? All of us have faced changes. In fact, look at what I wrote for you on the front of your worship folder, the program that you received when you came in this morning. As summer winds down, great change looms before many of us. Collegians leave home. Families prepare for back to school. The Walworth County Fair comes to town. Amen. Labor Day is around the corner, and soon fall will begin. Reflect for a moment. What was your summer 2014 all about? What if life for each of us moved from survival to visional living? Living the vision. What vision? Your vision for the rest of your life. But more than that, is it possible that when God was reaching inside of your mother's womb and beginning to knit you together, cell by cell, tissue by tissue, God was saying, I have a dream. A dream of who this person that I'm making right now will be. A dream of who they will be if they will trust me to be their savior. A dream of who they will be if they will learn to follow me in the journey of life. I have a dream of who I would like to shape them and refine them to be. I have a dream of what I'd like to accomplish in them and then through them and all the places where their feet take them through the journey of their lifetime. And when they come to the end of their lives, I have a dream of what the legacy will be that they will leave to their children and their grandchildren. Milt's chair sits empty this morning right by Cynthia. I wonder how close Milt came to the dream God had for him. I have a feeling pretty close. And his life has touched many, many of us. If you've been reading with us, you've come to the book of Romans uh, this week. And Paul begins it with Romans chapter 1, verse 1, and he writes something most unusual. In those days, often letters were begun the way we end letters today. They were identifying who the letter is from. And so he says, I am Paul, if I can paraphrase the first couple verses just a little bit. I am Paul. And I am a servant of Christ Jesus. I am called to be an apostle. That means a person who has been called of God, equipped of God, and sent by God to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. I'm set apart for the gospel of God. To call people. To belong to Jesus Christ. 
there's some notes right in the middle of the program, the worship folder that you received. And you see that there's some white space there in your note. And here's what I'd like to invite you to do later today. You see that on the screen? Pick up a pencil or a pen and write a statement like that right there on that piece of paper. Start with your name. I am. And the, ne the next line, your identity, whatever it is. Most men identify themselves by their jobs, their careers. Is that who you really are? A brief statement of who you really are and then your purpose in life. And then the vision that God has given you for the rest of your life. Write a statement today. A defining statement of who you see yourself to be. Sometime later the Apostle Peter wrote to the Christians throughout the empire. May the grace and peace of God be yours in abundance. Shalom is what he was saying. You see, the Apostle Paul was recognizing he had been called of God to be a shalom bearer wherever he went. David and April, cousins and your children, would you please come and join us on the platform? Uh, today we are commissioning out this dear family from us because they believe they've been called of God, much like Paul, to bring grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ to the people of Mali. You see the Mali flag at the base of our cross. I would like to invite elders, if you're with us today, any of our elders, our missions team, if you're here, and any of our staff to come and stand around them. And Phil, would you please come with your dear wife representing Avant Ministries. It's a privilege for us to send them from us. As they go out from this place where they have been for the last seven years, first to France to learn the language of Mali, French, and then directly from there to Mali. Uh, David, uh, when do you leave, brother? Uh, we leave tomorrow, uh, 8 o'clock flight. We'll be leaving... P.M. P.M., 8 p.m. tomorrow night. And we'll be leaving from Calvary at 2 o'clock with a prayer send-off. And so we've got 18 Rubbermaids ready to go, six bags extra on top of that. So it's quite the, quite the crowd of kids, quite the crowd of luggage to go to. So, so if you'd like to be a part of that prayer send-off tomorrow uh, from our parking lot around 2, 2.30 or so is when we'll be sending them. David, please. You're going to introduce yourselves? Okay. Je m'appelle Emma. I am nine. <laughs> I am nine years old and going into fourth grade. My name is Haley and I am six years old and I'm going into first grade. My name is Kyla and I'm five years old and I'm going into 4K. And this is Claire right here. She's two and a half. And April and me. So, <laughs> um, You both are uh, what we call MKs. You both have lived overseas as children. Yes. So I'm assuming you're doing this as a career move, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. When did you know that God wanted you to go, not just because your parents have been overseas, but because it was for you? Uh, we went to Urbana 2012 with a group of college students from Calvary, and that's just a huge missions conference. I think there was 18,000 18, college kids from around the world that were there. And so we went uh, 
per Dave Fogelbaugh's request, to help the teens find God's will for their lives. <laughs> and uh, wouldn't you know it that God reached out to us while we were there, and we found Avant Ministries. And just through the course of obedience and following the Lord, we applied with them, um, and we just continued the process. And God has opened every door that we have walked through, and um, we've prayed clearly that if this was not his will, that he would close the door. And he has never done that, so... David, would you permit me? I just recognize that uh, they're going as third-generation missionaries, and uh, April's grandfather, who was sent out from this church in the 50s, is here with us. So could I invite their family to come and join us as well? Please, uh, Dad family, and family, family, would you come and join this commissioning service? Please, David. And uh, David, for you, how does it feel taking uh, four beautiful ladies into a whole new world? Five beautiful ladies. Five. <laughs> I, I don't know which one you're thinking isn't, but thanks, Dave. You, you pick it and tell me. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, French culture is going to be French culture, and uh, that's going to be the language piece. We're praying big time for the kids and just for the transition and going into school. Uh, they'll be full immersed into public French school. And then going into a Mali culture, it's going to be very different, too. Uh, we're, we're praying protection on them. Um, I'm going to definitely have a, a different kind of role in being not just the leader of my home, but also the, the protector um, big time. So they're looking forward to getting a dog, hopefully, while we're there to kind of help with that as well. So not a French poodle, no. <laughs> um, so I, it, it's going to be a daunting task um, at the same time. We recognize, first and foremost, these are the most important disciples that we'll be ministering to, first and foremost. Our family comes first, and then the ministry comes after that. So we'll be excited to pour into them and to see their hearts change and to, to see them reach the lost in Africa and also in France in their school and to see them become disciples and followers of Jesus and then see that reproduced in the, the university students we work with. So that's kind of our, our strategy, our prayer, our hope for these girls and that they may just continue to be, as the scriptures say, arrows sent out from even us and in the Lord's hands to be sent out. Who knows where they'll go and who knows who they'll be married to someday, some Malian guy or I don't, I don't know. So it's exciting stuff ahead. So even British could be. <laughs> um, we standing up here represent the leadership, but it's our congregation that is confirmed and affirmed and stood beside them and are sending them out. A missionary is one who is sent, and today we are sending. And so we've asked the families to go to the aisles so that you can lay your hands on them. Kids, don't be afraid to pray with um, your friends. So if you'd go to the aisles. Gather around as you see fit. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived what you have prepared for those that love you. Lord, we, we wouldn't of our own choose for this day to send friends, workers, pastor, Dave and April, and their family. But you sent your sons, so we 
openly open our hands to send our best to people that need to know you. And now, Lord, as we commission them and we join in your vision for them and we affirm that vision, and we stand beside them and we stand with them in this vision, we would ask you, Lord, that you would help us in this. Lord, may your pure love cast out any fear we have. Some of us in this group today have fears of what they're doing. Why would they ever leave Walworth County to go to Mali? Because you sent your son. Lord Jesus, take away those fears that we have and allow us to pray through them because perfect love casts out all fear. And as they get on the plane, Lord, there's going to be grief for Doug and Dawn and the family and friends. And in that grief, Lord, we ask you to take that and give them peace and calm. Lord, as they go into new settings in Geneva, into the city of Albertville, and start to learn French, uh, next three days they're going to have to learn how to get bread and milk and water and French. Lord, perfect love cast out all fear. Use it in that. Lord, when they're in the middle of that language school and they're saying, why did we ever leave? This is painful and it hurts and it's hard. May your love cast out all fear and doubt. And then a year from now, when they celebrate that language school and they get on the plane to go to Mali, and as they think about all the things about Mali and the changes of cultures and the dynamics, the differences and what's ahead for them, we're going to ask you, Lord, that your perfect love cast out any fear and doubt. So, Lord, we delight in this, flowing into the river of your vision for the world, as people around the world, out of Operation World tomorrow and today, pray for Molly, Lord. We join praying for what will be the results of that. We won't know all that results. We may not know little of it, but we know you have called them, and we don't know what you've got prepared for them. But we know it's for your glory and for your church in Africa and around the world. Now, Lord, bless them. Give them peace ask you for Doug and Dawn as they adjust to not having the family. Give them peace and calm even in the grief of the loss as we see that your perfect love cast out all fear. In Jesus' name we pray and all together say amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Uh, David and April, I want to invite you to please come back to the platform. And uh, <clears throat> thank you, elders and staff, for being a part of that. Thank you, brother. Phil, would you stay with us just a moment? I'll take it right here. Thank you. I want to give you a moment, brother, to express on behalf of the mission that we are entrusting this family to uh, what God has laid on your heart. I want to leave you with that verse again that I've left in the last couple of services. I, I had no idea that it was going to be so well used here. I don't think you can, you're not going to be able to forget that verse. Maybe you'll forget a lot of other things that happened on this day, but not that verse in Romans 10, verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who take good news. And a perspective of that verse that I want to share in this final service is that probably in this congregation there are those people who can't go, and you are those feet to, to go for them. There are those who can't go for various reasons they can't go. You know the story of our own daughter, uh, Charity, who was uh, preparing to go but was struck with uh, an illness that left her quadriplegic. And I always look at young couples like you as you are the feet for our daughter Charity to go and to bring the good news. Uh, I also think of uh, someone else that can't go, two people that are very important to you, 
uh, Doug and Don, thanks for sending, for releasing your daughter to go. That's a huge thing. And grandkids, those granddaughters. And so on behalf of Avant, I just want to thank you for being those feet to go for those who can't go. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. David, in April, you're going and children to West Africa. We have among us this morning Grace Rathumio and Reba, who with Pastor Micah are in East Africa. Grace, would you please come? And Reba, uh, we want to praise God. Pastor Micah uh, and Grace have been spearheading uh, the ministry that we have a delight to be a part of in Kampala, Uganda. It was my privilege to visit them uh, some years ago. And they lead a ministry of more than a thousand university students there at McCrary University. And David and April have viewed their ministry for some time, something as uh, the vision of what God might do in West Africa. So you've got the two sides of Africa and our reach to Kampala and our reach to B um, Bamako. How could I have a blank on that? Um, on Bamako, uh, West Africa, Mali. Grace, it's so wonderful to have you with us today. Could you give us a greeting? How is Pastor Micah and how are the ministries? He said his greetings and ministry is going God well, and we are glad to be here. Dear Reba, it's so good to see you. You've grown up. My goodness. <laughs> Thank you. It's... Tell us what God is doing, please, in the ministry and in your life. Okay, he's doing a lot, <laughs> um, trying to keep up. Um, we've been here for a month now, and it has completely changed my life um, just the difference between home and here is a big difference, obviously. Um, but uh, there's going to be a lot of change in my life. I will soon be going to college. I should be going this year, but there were, I had some complications. Mm -hmm. And hopefully in two years I'll be going and I hope to follow my dad's footsteps. But I want to do ministry when I'm finally done with school. And I do music back home, so Amen. I... I um, want that to be a career for my life. Um, I believe there's a lot of power in music. Yeah. Um, I can't really explain it, but I'm glad that you can't touch music and can just hear and feel it yeah. and listen to someone's heart through music. And Amen. it's a very powerful thing at the beginning of a service yeah. to the, someone. So um, that's one of the giftings God has given me. And I'm very interested in like psychology and um, relationships with people. I love being involved with people and mm. listening to their stories. So, mm. good luck. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It it will. Um, it'll be challenging. Maybe food. Um, the water will, you know, hurt their tummies for the beginning, but then you'll get used to it. <laughs> but Africans are very friendly, at least I think <laughs> they are, and that's a very big vision you have, and we'll be praying for you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we have been praying for you, Grace, and we are so delighted to see that God's brought you back to good health. My Give thanks for that, and I'm so glad to be here, and I could... Uh, feeling that people were praying for me yeah. and that encouraged me during the moments when I was really down and sick. Yeah. I want to thank you for your prayers. It's really a miracle that I'm here. It's, yes. It was bad beginning of this year, but we thank God that he's our healer. Amen. 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 Would you join me in praising God for Grace and Reba and Pastor Michael? Thank you. Anything else you want to say? David and April, you've been with us seven years. Anything you want to say to the church family? The next time you stand up here, you'll be speaking French fluently. 
And probably a little browner. And probably speaking a lot slower, and people understand me better yeah. than when I preach. So, um, yeah, just to say thank you again um, from the bottom of our hearts for the much support that we've received from everybody here, from the prayer support and the, the families, the teens that we've ministered alongside, and the seven years of ministry that has happened here. It's just been phenomenal, and how God has led us to here, and then also to move us from here is, is amazing, and to know that this is more than just a building. It's not just a church building of a body of believers, but this is truly the family of God, uh, the church, who is, we're an extension of that being sent, and it's exciting to be a part of that, and to know that you are praying for us, and that we're praying for you, and that you're t- we're taking a piece of Calvary with us, and so we're excited. We know it's going to be challenging. Um, we specifically pray for the girls um, in the next coming weeks, especially. It's, it's going to be an interesting transition for all of us. Um, but we're taking one day at a time and really saying, okay, today, Lord, you've given us Sunday to be commissioned by Calvary, and tomorrow's a whole new day with a lot of adventures, stepping on a plane and, and saying goodbyes. And so it's going to be hard. At the same time, we have a great peace that, that God is going with us and, and leading us in many different ways. So it's huge. Amen. And we just thank you for everybody here. Amen. Well, we thank you, and we praise God for you. Mm-hmm. Now I'll, now I'll dismiss the little ones, and we'll let the cousins' kids and the Serbanka kids lead them out. The little ones up through grade four, we've got some special time for you in these next few moments. So why do we send them? We send them because <clears throat> Jesus says, let's reach the world, right? Paul, as he was writing to the Romans, he said, when you come to the 10th chapter, and you were there this week if you were reading with me, but, but how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard. And then, and how can they, how can they call on one of whom they have not believed? How can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them? How can someone tell them unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. May I invite you tomorrow morning, when you swing your feet out of bed, before you get up, look at your feet for a minute. God put them at the end of your legs, of course, so that you can go from place to place. But he did not command your feet to go where he wanted them to go. He gave you full freedom to decide where do your feet go every day. Paul is saying to the Christians in Rome, our broken world so desperately needs the hope and the help of Jesus that God is going to stir in the hearts of some to recognize that when God was making them in their mother's womb, he had a dream that they would be the bearers of the grace and the peace and the hope of Jesus into their world, starting right where they live, right where they work. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The only difference between your feet and the cousin's feet is their feet, by this time next week, will be in Albertville, France and a year from now in Bamako, Mali. It's the only difference. The question is, is your heart lined up like their heart is with the heart of God? Have you recently said, God, I would like to live the dream, your dream for me. What you were thinking about when you made me, that's what I would like to live. 
And as a result, my feet are fully dedicated to go wherever you say that's where the dream can best be lived out. And if that means I never leave Walworth County the rest of my life, I'll be content with that because you want me to live the dream you have for me right here. Bringing the hope and the good news of Jesus to every person I meet right here. If it means, God, you want me as a college student attending some school far away from here or even overseas, my feet are committed to going every day wherever you say the dream can best be lived out. Now be honest with yourself for a minute. How many steps do you think you've taken so far in your lifetime? And how many of those steps do you believe have been in line with the dream? And honestly now, how many times have you gotten up and your day is chock full with all kinds of appointments that you have made to fulfill your dream? Your dream for you and your family. And days have turned to weeks, have turned to months. And if you're really honest, it's been a long time since you thought about his dream for you as you've been frantically pursuing your dream for you. This morning, the request, I believe, that God is placing before all of us, what would the rest of your life be like if you'd commit yourself to living his dream for you? If you'd release yourself. David and April like it cold. Not just cool, but cold. I can't explain that. They're going to one of the hottest places on the planet. Uh, there was a person here in our service last evening who was in Bamako, Mali, a few years ago, and it was 120 degrees in the daytime. It cooled down to 94 that night, he said. Now for them, that's about uh, 50 degrees warmer than what is comfortable for them. I have a question. Do you suppose God knows that? Since he made them, do you suppose he understands that they prefer snow on the ground and cool rather than hot and sand? Yes. Do you suppose that he has the ability to give them a love for a place and a people and a food and a language that is entirely different from what they have been experiencing here? Yes. I ask the question because isn't it true that very often there's a fear that wells up inside of us. If I agree, God, I would like to live your dream for me. Oh, what if he sends me to Africa? Or whatever it is for you. But he made you. And he placed within you the passions and, and the loves that are who you are. Don't you suppose he understands where you would find the greatest sense of fulfillment and purpose in living out his dream? And don't you suppose he has the ability to help you fall in love with a place or a people that would require the miraculous touch of God? Hmm? So when you come next to the 12th chapter of Romans, you're reading that today actually, if you're reading with us in the summer, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy and his love for you, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In view of God's mercy, what would it be like if you and I lived the rest of our lives in view of God's mercy, celebrating God's mercy? We understand mercy. Most of us are parents in this room. 
And so you know what it's like when your children have irritated you because they did it again. What you told them not to do. And you're just wanting to clench your fist and grab for a belt. But something happens inside of you and mercy is extended. Most of us, would you agree, we're alive and breathing today because we've received mercy many times in our lifetime from our parents, from the police, from a benevolent DA or whoever, and especially from God. So what does it look like when you and I live our lives in view of God's mercy? May I suggest it, 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 you live celebrating that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, right? That God the Father initiates mercy love to you and to me. We live the rest of our lives celebrating that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to ask Him, right? And that He's ready to ransom, to rescue any person anywhere in the world at any time, right? We live the rest of our lives, Philippians 1.6, being confident that He who began a good work in you will carry it on. The ongoing change work of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to live in view of God's mercy watching every day for the work of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in your life. So it raises the question, are you and I going to live shalom in view of God's mercy? Are we going to live everywhere we go, each of us? May the grace and the peace of God be upon you in abundance because I'm here and I'm bringing the hope and the grace and the peace of God to my college, to the place where I work, to my neighbors, to my family in view of God's mercy I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices oh if you lived in Africa or Asia those words would just leap off the page because you would understand all about sacrifices so what does it mean well in your notes I've suggested there that among other things do you remember when Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit you're not your own. You're bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, that shouldn't be hard for us to think, what does that mean? How do you flesh that out? Honor God with my body. Among other things, I watch out for whatever I watch. Because whatever I watch, especially on the computer, is going to penetrate into my mind. I'd be careful about what I allow into my ears, my mind. I'd be careful about what I read. I'd be careful about where my feet go and take my body. I recognize that the Holy Spirit of God lives within me so that everywhere I go, I'm bringing God there. Amen? Honor God with your body. I recognize that as God has met me in my times of pain and, and difficulty and brokenness and He's brought comfort there, I now have the opportunity to step into the pain of other people and bring the comfort that I received there, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, it means that I can learn to serve other people in the name of Jesus. So I step in and I bear the burdens of others when the load is heavy for them. He wrote to the Ephesians, it means that I understand that God's designed me to be a warrior. I step in alongside of those who are battling and I battle on their behalf against the brokenness and the evil and the darkness of our world. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices every single day. Engage in what God is wanting to do around the world in and through you, right where you live. I have a dream. I believe God was saying over you as you were being shaped and formed in your mother's womb, I have a dream of what it could be like if you would live your life in view of my mercy. 
if you would offer your bodies, your life, every day, for me to use for my great glory, I have a dream. I have a dream. Do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Fill it with the power of God's word. Resist the stuff that's all around you. Don't be conformed to that stuff. But be transformed by the work of God in you so that you can bring into the brokenness of our world the hope and the help, the grace and the peace that only God can bring and is so desperately needed in our world, right? You feel like you need a minute to reflect. Are you a conformist? Are you conforming to the darkness of our world? Or are you one, my dear friends, whose life is being lived out according to his dream for you? How do you fill your mind? How do you protect your mind? How do you live out the dream? I want us to take a moment to reflect. Rihanna, would you come, please? This young woman has a musical place piece that she's going to play for you this morning. If you listen carefully, you're going to hear some of the most wonderful, powerful songs that speak of bringing the hope, the help, the peace of God into our broken world. So as she's playing, think about the statement you're going to write later. I am your name. I am an identity statement. I am a purpose statement. I am a vision statement. What is the dream God has for you? And then think about your feet. Are they beautiful? Because you are bringing into our world, wherever you walk every single day, the hope and the help of Jesus. Let's bring the lights down, please, Matt and Brianna.
what songs did you hear? Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, how he loves you and me. Do you believe that's true? We have two theme verses this year. Those theme verses are the core of what's happening here this morning. David and April received our call seven years ago to come to this place because the thief in this county has come to steal and kill and destroy the hopes and the dreams and the lives of teenagers. Thank you for coming and pouring your life out among our teens. And they were able to come and say to our teens, but the Lord Jesus Christ says, <laughs> I have come that you can have life and have it to the full. And now there's college students scattered out around the country and some who've already gone through college who you poured your lives into. Thank you. Now there's university students in Bamako, Mali. And the thief has come to Bamako to steal, kill, and destroy the next generation of Africans. There are already others there who have responded to the call that you're joining. There are African moms and dads and pastors who are doing the best they can to pour over their kids and pour their lives into kids, but the president of the African National Church in Mali has invited you to come specifically when you met with him come and help us because the thief has come to steal kill and destroy so you have chosen life first you chose life here before that St. Cloud Minnesota you've chosen to raise up your children in a pastor's home You've chosen to open up your home in this place every Saturday night to let all of our teens come into your house. Hang out with your kids. You've done now one of the most difficult things to do to say goodbye to those teens who care so much about you and you love. And to try to tell them that God has stirred in you a love for African young men and women. I can see your house filled to overflowing with African young men and women grabbing up little Claire and the others just like they did now choose life so that you and your children may live four little girls who will grow up in Bamako, Mali not because they chose it they couldn't even find it on a map but because mommy and daddy have chosen to make sure their feet are beautiful feet and their children grow up watching the beautiful feet of mommy and daddy living in a dusty city far from here when your children and your grandchildren look at your feet do they see beautiful feet that live in the place where you live because you're convinced God has called you to live there to bring the hope and the help of Jesus there have they learned from you, my dear friends, to be able to discern when God is saying, let's walk this way. There are those here who need the hope and the help of Jesus. It's a decision day, isn't it? You see, either we hear the invitation of God and we respond, yes, Lord, I want to live the dream, your dream for me, or excuses. It's not convenient, God. 
I, I, I'm not, no, no, God. Maybe another day, God. It's one or the other. What is it for you? Do you trust him enough? The God who made you, the Jesus who died for you, the Jesus who reigns sovereign and supreme, do you trust him enough to invite him to lead you in living his dream for you? Listen to him when he says, I have a dream, my dream for you. Lord Jesus Christ, we've gathered in this place to meet with you, the one who dreams over us, the one who made us, the one who the scriptures tell us when you hung on the cross, who for the joy set before him, Hebrews chapter 12, endured the cross, your dream for us. Lord Jesus, living your dream for us is only possible because of you. It's in Christ alone that we can be rescued, transformed, no longer living as conformists, living in view of God's mercy, living, <laughs> offering our bodies as living sacrifices, and bringing the grace and the peace of God in abundance. Shalom to every place our beautiful feet take us. We worship you now, Lord Jesus Christ.